0: Welcome back to another episode of the Hungry for Success podcast. On this episode, I brought Denise back, the most featured guest on the Hungry for Success podcast, to talk about maintenance. Maintenance is just something that's not talked about enough. Most people don't set out to say, hey, I'm going to lose 100 pounds, and then put a plan together of how they're going to maintain it afterwards. Uh, There's a lot of statistics that show that people who lose a large amount of weight will regain it. But we, you know, polled some people and saw, uh, asked what troubles they were having, and then we also put together some tips that will help you survive and have a successful maintenance. So I hope you guys enjoy it. hope there's some good stuff that you can take away from this episode. If you do enjoy it, uh, share it with your family and friends or on social media. All right, that's enough of that. Here's Denise denise how are you
1: i'm good michael how are you
0: i'm doing good you're back again third time on the hungry for success podcast
1: i know that's kind of crazy
0: i know you're probably going to be by far the most interviewed guest
1: that's all right i'm good with that
0: yeah well today is a little different because denise is more of a co-host today than a guest Uh, we are going to talk about Uh, weight loss maintenance because it does trip a lot of people up. I did some research and basically found that, you know, 90 or so percent of people who lose a large amount of weight will eventually regain all of it. And that's kind of a, you know, a terrible stat to hear when you're losing weight. But uh, today we're going to basically talk to you about some of those um, things that trip people up and how they basically get in trouble during maintenance. And then we're going to tell you about some tips on how that you can stay strong and keep uh, your maintenance going. But before that, I just want to see how you're doing and what's been going on, Denise.
1: Uh, I've been doing well, same old, same old. I mean, we've been in lockdown and stay at home order since, uh, before Christmas (laughs) (laughs) So, and that is finally lifting on Tuesday. We're going back into the red zone, which is um, just limited things, but stores are opening again and, you know, there's a little more freedoms and restaurants will open up again at reduced capacity, but, you know, our services and things like that are opening. So it's a lot of things to kind of be excited about. We can see people again and be social and, you know, all the things we took for granted
0: (laughs) So we're on like different ends of the spectrum because here, I mean, it's pretty much everything is, I wouldn't say normal, but like pretty open for the most part. Like gyms, you know, like I just did jujitsu like five minutes ago before we got on this podcast. Um, all kinds of different stuff. But so what's the first thing you're gonna do when you're back out into the free world?
1: Um, beauty appointments. <laughs> oh, beauty appointment, going to get um, your hair did. Yeah, that's right. Um actually I want to see my best friend. I miss her. And we couldn't visit anyone that we didn't live with for okay. since mid January. So, um, yeah. Want to have coffee date with her. You know, I miss my people, the whole social thing. So.
0: Yeah. That's a that's a hard thing is, uh, losing that connection, especially when you're like a really social person, like you and I, losing that, uh, in-person connection is very tough. And I mean, I joke that things are like pretty much the same here, but you know, typically before, like we would see our best friends who, you know, like some other couples that live very close to here, like pretty much every weekend, you know, like one, one of those groups. And, you know, now it might be like once every two months, we might like just go out to dinner. Um, but I mean, it's scary. Like some of the people are, are still, you know, there's some, it kind of blows my mind where my life hasn't changed much, where I'm working every day and all that kind of stuff it blows my mind that there's some people that have been locked down for like a year almost you know
1: uh that would be me (laughs) (laughs) um been working at home since last march that's coming on a year so you know you miss the things like driving to work and listening to a podcast or like little things like that like getting coffee with you know around the standing around the water cooler with people at work and just shooting the shit, but you know, you don't have that. It's just you in your house with your
0: kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is a, that is a super crazy thing. How much the world has changed in a short amount of time. And like Mm -hmm. the challenges that are, people are facing even with like health and fitness, right? Like you're trapped inside, like with your food all the time. Like I know for me, uh, like I'm at work every day. Like I'm not, you know, I can't just like walk into my kitchen and grab something out of the refrigerator, but people who are at home pretty much 24 seven now because of COVID like they're surrounded by like temptations that you might not normally uh, have at work.
1: It's true. Food, the kitchen's always there and you don't have to be embarrassed about walking up and getting food when it's just you at home or people that you're familiar with that, you know, you feel like they're not watching
0: you. A five-minute work break for a PB and J sandwich is easily doable.
1: Oh, for sure. Yep.
0: All right. So, so
1: Mike, um, kind of, you were making the most of your quarantine time because I heard <laughs> you had a surprise announcement recently.
0: I did. So, yeah, Brittany and I are having a baby. So we're adding another member to the to the Hungry for Success family over here
1: congratulations that's really
0: exciting thank you yeah it is very exciting I mean I've talked about like on the show like one of the, my reasons why I lost weight was um you know because I want to have a big family one day and I want to uh you know I want to be around for those people including uh this baby that that we are having and but now it's you know I'm kind of an anxious person so just being a train wreck waiting for um it to come and make sure everybody's healthy that's awesome yeah so we got we got a little while left to wait, but it's on its way,
1: and it goes by super fast, too. so enjoy the sleep time enjoy enjoy the freedom
0: <laughs> yeah i'm I'm trying to sleep like ten hours a day just to make up for the sleep that I'm not gonna get in a couple months.
1: You'll need it, but remember it's temporary. They grow up and you know it's not enjoy the when they're little. they don't stay little long,
0: yeah, true. All right, so I think we're going to start off like so, Denise. What's your experience with with maintenance?
1: Uh, it's freaking hard. <laughs> Man, maintenance is like <laughs> a curse word. Oh, for sure. Um, but it shouldn't be a dirty word because, you know, we all. I mean, that's ultimately when we start out on our journeys where we want to be, but we just don't realize how difficult it is. We think, oh, you know, it's the finish line, but there is no fucking finish line because this is forever. <laughs> you know like um said before in the other podcast that it's like a chronic disease and we always have to once obese we always have to think like we're obese and we always have to have it top of mind and we have to learn how to manage it and maintenance is the managing part because lost the weight we want to make sure it stays off war controlled for sure
0: yeah so i saw a quote that i sent to you earlier in the week and it basically says doing a hard thing for a limited amount of time is easier than doing a hard thing forever. And that, that's it. Because, you know, even whenever I started this weight loss journey, like I didn't think when I get to maintenance, I'm going to have to keep paying attention to this. It was like, I'm going to get to my goal weight and everything's going to be roses and, and sunshine. And that's just not the case. Like you get to maintenance and then realize like you get a little bit more calories, but other than that, nothing like, really changes. You just have to hope that, you know, you've built some good habits, uh, you know, through your dieting process and now you're ready for that.
1: That's right. Habits are everything like the losing weight. This, um, especially me, I had post, like I had surgery. So post-op, you know, it came off quite easily. Once you plateau and hit those maintenance, um, hit maintenance, it gets really hard and you don't have that gratification. And this is for everybody, not just people with surgery of seeing that scale go down. So it starts to play games with your head in big ways.
0: Definitely plays some mind games. And and if you don't shift your perspective on it, then it's easy to regain because it's very easy to get down on yourself whenever you're not seeing the the scale move you don't get that instant gratification you have to play the the long-term game and staying in maintenance is the long-term game and it's hard but ultimately that's in a way it's awesome you get to eat more calories you kind of get to live your life you get to be a little bit more relaxed but it's easy to go off the rails like i can tell you my first really maintenance period was after i'd lost 100 pounds I was like 240 pounds and I was like, it was for the first time in my life, like I was okay with how I looked and how I felt and all this kind of stuff. But I was like, I'm going to try intuitive eating and I'm going to eat when I'm hungry, not eat when I'm not hungry, you know, just eat time full. And, you know, three months later uh, and I was 30 pounds heavier and I was like, this is not good. So, um, you know, my first time in maintenance was a train wreck, but now, you know, I'm doing maintenance a little differently. I've been using the RP app for my cut and I plan on March. The end, last day of March is the end of it and going on a, my first, I guess I would say strict maintenance period where I'm still tracking and all those different types of things. Just, um, increase calories and not dieting and keeping my weight at a plateau. So we'll see right. how that goes. I'm, I'm very interested to see how it works.
1: And that's the thing, like with maintenance, you really have to learn how to pivot. Like you think, you know, the answer and what worked the whole time. And it's like, Oh, starts showing up on the scale or your clothes get a bit tight. It's like, Hey, this isn't working anymore. So what can I do? And you got to learn how to manage that and how to change directions sometimes. And I think that's key.
0: Yeah. So like, I can tell you exactly what happens to me is like, I've talked about how I'm essentially a robot and just eat the same thing every single day. Well, it'll literally happen like this is how my maintenance gets messed up. I will diet. I'll find out where my maintenance calories are and I'll set that and I'll eat the same thing essentially every day. But then it'll be like, oh, well, I can have this with some like fruit after it. And then I can have this and I can put some like ranch dressing on it. And then I can have this and, you know, maybe use some ketchup and those just like little calories just add up and add up and add up. And then at the end of the week, those things add up to like a thousand calories and I'm back in gaining weight and it just like slowly gets away from me because I'm not paying as much attention and I'm not trying to make the scale move
1: right I found that was happening to me too is not paying attention and um all of a sudden like I had 21 pounds to regain and it was around Halloween I'm like holy shit (laughs) like this isn't good I'm (laughs) not not going in the direction I want to (laughs) go yeah um, so I try, I had to identify what my problem was and I had to really do some mental work and think about what that was. And it's like, you know what? I sit around at night and I constantly graze and I snack and it's like, okay, what, how can I stop doing that? So then I started the intermittent fasting because that gives me an eating window. So I can eat intuitively in that window because I'm not being on tracking Every calorie yep. and everything. It, it's just not realistic for me. Um, just because of how busy I am all the time. Just wait till that kid comes, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I think one so thing that... go ahead. Um, so for me, the intermittent fasting worked better for me because it kind of gave me some controls without having to be a ton more work. So, and then I was able to shave most of that regain off. So
0: awesome. And I think what we just learned right there is like you and I are both doing or have done maintenance periods differently and some of it's worked and some of it hasn't. And so you just kind of got to find what works for you. So one thing I'm interested about is uh, since I've been um, following a guy I had on the show, Nick Shaw and his podcast and RP, his company, um, you know, they talk a lot about doing maintenance periods during while dieting. So did you do any of that? Did you have any maintenance periods like while dieting?
1: Like, as in a plateau, you mean, or no? So diet basically, is, like, Hey, I'm going to give myself a little break.
0: Yeah, then, exactly. So they basically say like in one set, like dieting period, you shouldn't lose more than you should aim to lose 10% of your body fat or like not more than 10%. And then you should have right. an equal amount of time of maintenance. And basically what that is doing is like, You know, people talk about set points and stuff, but once you get a certain, once you've lost a certain amount of weight, your body's kind of like out of homeostasis and wants to stop like dwindling down and basically kind of fights back a little bit. Um, I don't know all the science behind it. I'm not a professional, but you know, they basically say that that set maintenance period kind of is like a reset for your body. Just like, Hey, we're good here. We're not trying to lose any more weight and just basically calms everything down.
1: Right. I didn't hear that, but that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, that's something that I'm going to try. Like I ultimately want to get down to somewhere around like 200 pounds. So I'm hoping to be like 210 at the end of this cut and then go into like a, um, so this is 12 weeks. So then go into at least a 12 week maintenance period and then try to lose the last 10 and then follow that with maintenance. And I'm just hoping like that will be, like a sustainable thing for me and that I can actually um succeed in maintenance for once in my life.
1: That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um I kind of like I'm so not as regimented as you as stuff. I kind of just do what works for me. But um, yeah. in my intermittent fasting, I was uh doing maintenance in the sense that, you know, I am so busy at work. I can't fast today, so I'll take a day or two off or a weekend off knowing that, you know, um I'm very busy or it's just not going to happen. But, yeah. you know, that's <laughs> as far as I've ever went.
0: Well, I think a lot of people do it unknowingly. Like you kind of talked about plateaus, right? So like if you have your calories, like this is a random number, say 2000 and you've lost, you know, 10 pounds. And then you're like, I can't you go two weeks and say I've eaten 2000 calories every day and I can't lose weight you know, that's probably, you've met some metabolic adaptation, you get, you know, that's your body's new maintenance calories, essentially, you know, and then you got to step it down a little bit more. And so in a sense, that was like a two week maintenance period. (laughs)
1: There you go. So. Um, I think too, like I was reading a study and it was talking about defining what maintenance is and what, and just touching on what you said before too, that, you know, there's a general perception that almost no one succeeds long-term yeah. in maintenance. And uh, the study I read was from the national weight control registry. And they said, you know, you need to define it differently. Um, if you define it as losing at least 10% of your total body weight, and maintaining it for at least a year, all of a sudden, that number goes up to 20%. So it sounds a lot more hopeful. And I think the message behind too, like, a lot of people get really dejected when, you know, they start gaining weight, but they forget, well, fuck, I lost 100 pounds, okay, I gained 20, but I'm still successful. And I think people start to get in their head a whole lot during maintenance when they see that scale going back up, but or, Consider themselves a failure and then they just sort of downward spiral. And I think we have to remember that, you know, we lost a massive amount of weight. We're still in the plus by losing the 80 instead of 100. Like we have to be a little more kinder to ourselves in this whole thing.
0: Almost everyone I've talked to has a lowest weight in a current weight. Like, I mean, even me, like my lowest weight is like 212, but that's not my current weight, you know, and it's just because usually you, you're dieting, you hit the bottom of where you hit your goal, where you want to go. And then as soon as you relax, you're going to put on a little bit of weight. It's just going to happen.
1: Plus, too, like when you're going at it and you're super motivated, you're doing everything 110% and the sustainability and real, like realisticness. Did I just make up a word? Um, so. it's not realistic. <laughs> I think it needs to be a word. Um, It's not realistic to maintain at that kind of level. So you are going to dip lower, but then you're going to settle back up kind of where you should be at your ability level, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So you put you reached out to some listeners and then people in Facebook groups and all this kind of stuff to find out some challenges that are people are having with uh, sustaining, sustaining their maintenance periods, right?
1: Yep. So I pulled everybody saying, are you trying to lose? Are you trying to maintain? And most people are still trying to lose, but the ones that maintained, I asked them some further questions, like, you know, what were the challenges and struggles with it? And it kind of broke down into two areas, like physical struggles and mental struggles. And by far, like we talked about in the last episode that we did together, the mental was the biggest, Mm. but there was some physical struggles too. Um, And some of the comments i got back were like the ability to eat more so i had bariatric surgery for the first you know six months you're really limited in what you could eat Mm -hmm. um but your body starts to heal and you know your stomach you can stretch it more and uh portion control becomes a bigger problem and when you're years out you're completely healed so that that resistance isn't there. um, And you can push the boundaries more and your cravings return and things like that. Um, After surgery, you kind of don't feel hungry for a while, which is weird, but you don't. And when all that starts to come back, that was, this is with people who've had bariatric surgery. And a lot of listeners here have Um, all those things start to return. And that is a challenge.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, eating more food in some ways is a really good thing but then also you know the more food that you're getting for people who haven't had bariatric surgery as well as like um you know when you're super strict and then you start adding in some foods that you know uh are a little more relaxed some things that you've had trouble with a lot of people have continue to have trouble with that because then they start going down those paths like getting triggered you know like eating chips and things like that, that they might not have as much self-control with. And that that's a slippery slope can easily get away from you.
1: Yeah. And those things never go away, whether you had surgery or not, like it's all yep. that ties into the mental end of it. Yep. Um, other physical things they mentioned were like visual triggers or things like, um, like seeing something or um, holidays, social gatherings, like things that make you want to eat, And things where you feel almost obligated to eat or pressured to eat. And and those were a challenge for them as well and how to manage those. Um, Again, we already touched on it earlier, natural fluctuations and plateaus and learning how to pivot. And those, like they naturally happen with your body, but they can be a real like bummer when they happen to you, especially in maintenance, because you're used to seeing that downward trend.
0: Yeah. That's something I definitely want to put to point out. Like if you lose, um, a large amount of weight and you've cut calories and stuff over time, when you add calories back in, you're typically going to be eating more carbs. Like is that's typically where those calories come from. And you're always going to put on a percentage of water weight due to having more calories. And so it's very unlikely you know if in the first week of you starting maintenance you gain three or four pounds it's very unlikely that you've gained like tissue like it's usually water weight and not something to freak out about but people i've talked to when that happens they feel so discouraged because they're like i've worked so hard to lose this weight in the first time of eating i'm eating more relaxed i'm i'm blowing up and that sense oh that triggers like a lot of people to just continue eating you know um because they feel helpless uh, or you know very discouraged by that and so just relax with it a little bit of weight gain is normal you know if you lose 10% of your body fat gaining some weight is definitely going to be normal and not something to freak out about
1: absolutely um the next thing that people brought up too is that um your body just kind of changes it becomes more efficient Um, It learns things, and sometimes there's metabolic changes, too, as you age or environmental factors. And speaking of that, um, I read this study. It actually appeared on my phone last week uh, from the Obesity Research and Clinical Practice Journal. And they were saying that they were doing a study comparing how we are now to the generation of our parents, like 20 to 30 years ago, and said that we have a BMI that's about 10% more than our parents had. And they had, and that was when we would eat the same amount of calories and exercise, like it took that into consideration, even playing fields. So they had some hypothesis as why this was, and they figured it was three things. And these are just, you know, them kind of guessing or trying to make their best educated guess on why that happened. And one of them was more chemicals in the environment. So like pesticides, flame retardants, um, substances, in um, food packaging, like BCPs and things like that. Um, another factor was more use of prescription drugs and especially with things like antidepressants. And the uh, the third point that they guessed was gut bacteria changes, like, um, we eat more meat and things like that than our parents used to, and often they're treated with hormones and antibiotics and stuff like that, which aren't harmful in little trace amounts. But over time, all of these things add up, and um, you know, they figure that's the reason. So, you know, our parents are kind of judgy on us that oh you know we I never gained that well you know you guys kind of had an advantage and they're saying these are the reasons why so I just find it was a really interesting study but it, it's hard it's actually physically harder for us to do it now too because of all the environmental factors
0: hmm. that is very interesting I, that was like the first I'd heard of that but I mean yeah it seems logical
1: yeah, it was a study from 2016. So fairly recent too. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then another thing that kind of in that about how body changes, you know, sometimes medical issues creep up too, like insulin resistance, intolerances, um, post-op complications and stuff like that that make maintenance a challenge. Like I know for me, I had a complication of getting the reactive hypoglycemia. So I really have to watch that and consider that into my maintenance so
0: yeah for sure
1: Mm -hmm. and that was the end of the physical ones and then it got into the mental ones oh goody Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i can jump right into that if you want unless you have let's do it okay So we talked about this earlier too, about being too relaxed. So incorporating more bad foods back into your diet and how it's really easy to return to old habits, especially like, um, because they give you comfort and they feel familiar and, um, they're coping mechanisms for when shit gets hard. Right. And life is hard and especially going through a pandemic and stuff, uh, you know, you want (laughs) to eat.
0: Absolutely. Well, and we all want to be quote unquote, the, normal person, you know, like we don't want to be a person who can't sit down with a bag of potato chips, eat like a quarter of that bag and then put it up and be fine. Like nobody wants to be the person that has to eat a single serve bag because they don't have self-control. Right. So like once you feel like you've built enough um, good habits and good practices like around yourself, you want to try to move into, you know, just eating those things and having the self-control and being, quote, normal But the more you do, and I'm all for that, right? Like I want to do that too. But the more that you test yourself in those ways, the more opportunities you have to get out of control, have some weight gain. And if that's the case, if that's what you're going to do is explore all these things, then you're going to gain some weight back. It's just all, you know, holding the reins and not letting it get out of control.
1: It's hard. I struggle with that a lot. Um, Even with my reactive hypoglycemia, I was always a sugar freak. I'm still a damn sugar freak. Like, even though it can make me sick and put my health in jeopardy, I still reach for sugar and carbs sometimes, and I shouldn't. And it's it's so hard to break that mental thing. Even when you've had success, even when you've seen it change your life and your health for the better, it's still it's you can't fix your head totally. (laughs) Like, it takes constant work.
0: Yeah, I can't break free if like caffeine, it's like my my drug, I drink way too much of it every single day, lots of coffee, energy drinks, I got a diet Mountain Dew right here right now. And it's just like, I don't it has some kind of weird control over me that I can't let go. And um, I mean, I say that just because, you know, I've tried a bunch of times to not drink it. And then I'll just say like, I'll go like a week and then I'll be like, okay, I'll just be a normal person. And I'll have one cup of coffee a day. And by the end of the, that week, I've had, you know, like five cups of coffee and energy drink and amount Dew, and it just, it's a slippery slope for me every time.
1: It's, it's definitely really, really hard for sure. Okay. So it, again, it's that whole learning moderation and often, you know, people were saying, and we've men- mentioned it before too. It's like, we overestimate what we do and underestimate what we eat. So. Yeah. It can be a problem. And two, another problem is the whole, and this is big, and I see it in so many people that I know too, and myself, although I've been a lot better with it, but it's the whole all or nothing mentality. Like if you have a little setback, it's like, fuck it. I'm just going to go <laughs> for it and don't care. I'm not going to work out because I don't feel like it. And, you know, it's a slippery slope that people get into or they have like, they're trying real hard and the scale goes up a bit and it's like, fine, I'm just going to totally derail. This isn't worth my time. You know, so try not to be all or nothing, even little things like or just be for a day and then get back on the horse tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. you get a shitty day. OK, it's one day, you know.
0: Yeah, which is definitely easier said than done. Like prime example, last night, Brittany and I went out for like Valentine's Day, went to the Japanese restaurant, had like the hibachi and all this kind of and everything. And it was great. But I woke up this morning and I wanted to have like eggs and sausage and bacon and have this like full spread instead of tracking my food back on like my cut and all this kind of stuff and it just I don't know why it was so hard for me but I was just like woke up like that's what I wanted but it, it was like an internal struggle to make sure that I did the right thing and I just want to point out like this is five years you know, at, like into my journey and I'd like literally had the exact same thought as somebody who's probably a week in and, you know, woke up, cheated on their diet, woke up and wanted to do it again the next morning. Like, it, you know, it doesn't go away, but I've made that mistake enough times to know that I cannot do that.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, so again, we touched on it earlier, but the mental struggle, when the scale goes up, like frustration, panic, depression, again, it happens in the all or nothing thing. And then you start to like get negative self-talk when you see the gain and the whole body dysmorphia and compulsion to eat bad stuff. So all that circles into that all or nothing as well.
0: Well, after going out and eating last night, I can tell you what I did not do today. I did not get up and get on the scale because, then I would have been pissed off at myself and I probably would have put myself through some like crazy intense workout just for like payback. Like I got to get these pounds or calories off. Like, I, you know, I wouldn't go all week without weighing myself, but maybe the day after isn't a great idea. Maybe a day after that would give you a little bit better idea.
1: Right. and you should always enjoy those moments. You went out for Valentine's Day, like you should have those moments. Exactly. Like uh, by jumping on the scale the next day, it just takes away all the special.
0: Mm-hmm. And I saw
1: what you ate. I saw your pictures. I'm like, damn, it
0: was, was good. so good.
1: So good. Oh, I haven't had sushi in forever. Rice doesn't like me. <laughs> mm.
0: That's unfortunate.
1: <laughs> it is okay. Um. So again, another challenge that they saw that was um, mental was and it revolves around motivation so when you don't see the scale going down constantly it gets hard to make yourself do all the things that you did before because you'd always get that thrill of saying oh I lost weight this week it's like I did all the shit and it's still the same or I'm on point two what the hell (laughs) you know so motivation is learning to draw it and keep doing it even though you're not getting the rewards from it is challenging maintenance.
0: Yeah, I mean, instant gratification is something that I've said a lot on the show and it can be a big motivator or it can be a complete pain in the ass. And a lot of us like instant gratification is what made us overweight, but also that gratification of seeing the number on the scale, you know, kind of what it helps you lose weight. But then once you do get to maintenance, you lose that. Yeah.
1: And you can't lose sight of you know what you did was awesome (laughs) like maintenance is a good thing that's that was our goal that's where we wanted to be so exactly just staying in there um also too in the mental side where mental issues resurface after your focus shifts off from immediate health so I remember for me um my focus was getting off medication you know living my doctor said I had you know, limited years if I didn't do something drastic. So my full focus and going full throttle was on that. And then once those things were kind of solved, and they're solved pretty quickly for me, um, all other things started to surface things that were buried from years and years ago that kind of ate away at me and stuff like that. Um, Those things kind of came up and you end up getting all these new feelings that aren't always good, too, when you're, kind of successful and into maintenance too, that's, you know, they don't go away. Sometimes new ones come. Um, like things like eating disorders, you may have it under control for a while, but you know, it could resurface Mm -hmm. over time or a lot of people, um, have dependencies like in transfer addiction is a real thing. And I've seen it with people. Um, they start turning to alcohol, drugs, gambling, shopping. And two, I see a lot. And especially on, um, social media is validation. (laughs) A lot of people crave that in big ways. Um, again, Scale stops moving. So you want to see gratification from something else. And sometimes that's attention you get on social media. So things like that. You talked about like
0: transferring addiction. That's definitely something that I've dealt with. Like my addiction was definitely like food and mindless eating and always doing stuff. And I've it's a hundred percent without a doubt, I've transferred that to to working out and like physical pursuits, which is great. And it and um I'm all about it. But you know, like I've had some of the crazy shit that I do has injured me and to the point where like, I'm not, you know, I've messed up my knee a bunch of times and to the point where I'm not able to work out. And then I'm searching for like, essentially something to occupy my time, some sort of new addiction. And I just have to, like, I have to make sure that I don't turn to something bad, you know, like podcasting is like one of the things that I've turned to like, you know, social media, whatever. But, um, it's, it, you know, that addictive personality is always there. I just have to focus it in the right direction.
1: Right. And it's, it's coming up with new coping mechanisms that are healthy for you and not harmful
0: mm-hmm. and
1: managing the stress and managing life events before I just shove cake in my face. But now it's like, Oh, you know what? I want to do something creative. I'm going to pour a coffee and make it slow-mo and make it pretty and put it up there. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the stuff I do, um, even how I do my gym check-ins like you know, moody shots and whatever, that's for me. (laughs) That's, you know, that's my coping mechanism to put out pretty things and make nice stuff and cook stuff. And, you know, it's a distraction for me. So I'm not shoving cake in my face.
0: Yeah, I completely understand.
1: So that was the end of the mental and all the um, the physical, the mental, basically all of the challenges that I got feedback from um, on my Facebook group from my bariatric clinic. They were really helpful and had really amazing things um, to say. So thank you to uh, you and also the Instagram community who gave a lot of comments to that were really helpful. So
0: absolutely that's what we are here for to to find out what people want to know and try to help them with it so to do that we have like put together some tips that we think will help uh, us and other people who are in maintenance be more successful you want to mm-hmm. go first
1: yeah and these these um tips came from you guys you know it's some of our experiences too but i really love how we can ask the community because this is all about us right so mm-hmm
0: it's all about shared experiences and you know what what works for me might not work for you but it might work for someone else and just getting it out there and putting it out on the um on the interwebs for other people to see and hear uh could definitely help somebody so we do appreciate you sharing
1: and jumping off of that um so one of the solutions is to acknowledge that everyone's individual and there's no one size fits all kind of plan. And we have to accept that. And we can't compare. Comparison keeps coming up, whether it's weight loss, whether it's maintenance, whether it's anything, it's always an evil thing that uh, comes and bugs us. So we've got to learn not to do that. Um, And uh, so the whole thing about not having a one size fits all plan. There was a study that I read too, for, again, from the National Weight Control Registry, and they did a comparison of people who got to maintenance. Um, there was one group of people who had really high physical activity and a really refined diet and and the other group of people that, you know, were less so. And they found in maintenance that they kind of did the same and the whole finding suggests that you know there's not one size fits all and maintenance requires different strategies for some individuals and others some people have to put more work into maintaining Maintaining. again Maintening. i'm inventing Maintening? all of these damn words today i need a denise dictionary <laughs> yeah
0: we're gonna need a definition of maintaining <laughs>
1: Maintaining <laughs> DM us with your definition. Uh, I lost my train of thought, <laughs> but basically, some people require more effort to do maintenance than others do because it's individual, we're not the same, we're not built the same, we don't act the same. So, that was a very helpful study, and that was the first solution.
0: Yeah, so one thing that you know I've thought about and even experienced myself is. Weight loss or maintenance starts with a good diet. So, you know, there is such thing as metabolic adaptation, right? And if you go on, say, a crash diet, crazy low calorie diet, your body essentially acclimates to what to the stimulus that you're giving it. So if you rapidly lose this weight by cutting your calories to, you know, I've seen people on Facebook talking, Facebook groups talking about eating 800, 900 calories. And, you know, I I know weight loss surgery is a little different in this because there's only certain amounts you can eat. But for me, like personally, I eat like 26, 2700 calories a day right now. If I cut that down to 900 calories a day, I could lose a shit ton of weight. But I would be starving. And after a while, my, you know, when I get to maintenance, my calories aren't just going to automatically bounce back up to 2700. Right. So just having a, a sustainable diet will lead to a more sustainable maintenance.
1: Absolutely. Again, um, diet came up in, in my feedback too. And, you know, diet is everything like, don't let it go to shit. (laughs) Like just because you're in maintenance doesn't mean, oh, I have a license to eat now. It's not the way it goes. Um, food will always be the cornerstone of success or failure. Like always, um, if you eat purposefully and stay up on nutrition, um, even if you're doing well, you always have to, like, you can't let it slip too much. And someone told me, um, in some of the feedback that it was a good kind of quote from this person. They said, the weight maintenance battle is not fought at the gym. It's fought in the kitchen. So, and I thought that was really, really insightful. And, um, You know, and speaking in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. learn to cook your own shit, (laughs) you know, not literally, you know what I mean, cook stuff, Um, learn how to cook if you don't know how to cook because eating interesting food and keeping things like giving yourself variety, Mm -hmm. it's key, you know, meal plan, Um, if you eat out less often you have control of what you're putting in your diet, because, you know, in the restaurants, they'll add more fat and salt and sugar and stuff you don't need. And that's hidden. And you can kind of guess what the calories are, but you don't really know. But if you make it yourself, you absolutely know. And also by preparing with food, like, you know, if you're going to know you're going to be busy, or you're going to be out and on the road, have healthy options available. Like there's always choices. But if you learn how to cook, you know, you're putting yourself at an advantage. So
0: yeah, you're definitely putting yourself advantage because you know what you're putting in your body. And like, you know, I struggle with the with the tracking that I've been doing now because only because I've been like super strict. But, you know, like a, a hamburger at restaurant X might have 500 calories, but at another restaurant might have 800 calories. Right. And it's just uh, so guessing could be a couple hundred calories off. You know and doing that over and over again daily essentially could lead to some regain but yeah. one thing i want to go back to just real quick is you said like um the battle is like one in the kitchen and not the gym and or some one of the listeners i guess said that i am like living proof of that i don't know if i told you the story or someone else but um i was training for my half marathon lifting weights um, four days a week and doing jujitsu either three or four days a week, all like at the exact same time. And I gained 13 pounds from the time I started doing my marathon half marathon training to the day that I ran it. Oh, wow. You cannot outwork a bad diet. And so because I was doing all that in my head, I was like, I can eat whatever I want. And if you follow my Instagram stories, like, you know, like people bring stuff to my work, like almost on a daily basis. Like pizza donuts all kinds of stuff and so like i was just kind of at a free-for-all because of how much i was working out and it did not work it it didn't add up um you know smashing four or five donuts a day you know you're not really outworking that
1: i know when i was hitting the gym hard i almost felt like i had a license to eat so i'm like oh i'm doing all this stuff but again it's that overestimating what you do and underestimating what you ate. So um, I always like, I mean, it's hard to always be on point with food all the time because we crave stuff and we like stuff and food's enjoyable and you should enjoy food. But um, I mean, some of my friends um, from the community on here on Instagram, uh, we started doing a cooking club every Saturday and we'll meal prep together. We'll try new recipes, we'll make them low carb, we'll make them healthier. and I'm always posting videos and things on my on my feed and in, in my stories and stuff on how to show people how to cook for themselves, because I think it is so important and it's really changed my perspective. And I think my ability to learn to cook, um, I've always been interested in food, so I didn't want to take that away from myself. Um, and I still like sugar <laughs> or the, the taste mm-hmm. of sweetness. So I have to reinvent that. And I think that helps with my success by always doing things that I love and enjoy and not feeling like I'm punishing myself or starving myself from things that I once loved. Like, you know, again, this is forever.
0: I think last week you had some chicken wings that looked absolutely fire.
1: Oh, they were good. And Man, people were actually so making them and tagging me and said, these are so good. And when I put stuff up, I don't put stuff up. That sucks. <laughs> like I try, it's tried to intrude and, and, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good judge. I think it's, so if you had
0: so. some like disasters doing that, like have you made some stuff and you're like, Oh, I don't know. About
1: I that. made, I made <laughs> last weekend, actually, I made this chicken wing Buffalo chicken wing dip that I did all the work and it looks so pretty. And I taste them. Like, I hate this. Like it was just <laughs> not like, I like Buffalo chicken wing dip and I've had it before, but this particular recipe was not great. So I'm like, yeah, that was pretty much a disaster. And yesterday um, we were baking, I'm going to post it today actually too, a homemade cheesecake. And Ooh, uh, every it, it's a keto one and it's freaking good. But everything that could go wrong possibly went wrong. And everyone thinks that I knock it out of the park every time. I had six people on video yesterday watching me because we video chat this, mm-hmm. seeing me screw up endlessly. So <laughs> I am not perfect. And you don't have to be perfect either either but just try.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I guess going to back, bringing it back into our next tip. Um, So for me, a big thing is setting new goals once you get to maintenance, because like we've talked about a couple of times now, like your goal can't, you know, it can't be that scale going down because essentially the goal is to keep it the same. So um, setting new goals, usually this just pertains to activity or eating you know like I think a good goal to have is like the 80 20 rule so you know 80% of the time eating really good spot on and then that 20% of the time to you can say whatever you want reward yourself or, or be a little bit more free or something like that but then also for me I do uh, Performance-related goals, so maybe that's 10,000 steps. Like right now, I have a goal every single week: four days in the gym, three jujitsu sessions. Like that's kind of my goal right now. And so, I, I, even right now, I don't have like a weight loss goal. Like I don't have to lose two pounds a week. I have an overall goal that I want to get to, but every week it's it's stick to my meal plan, four training sessions a week, three jujitsu, and if I do those things, I will accomplish my goal. You know, so I'm not focusing on the number on the scale every week. I'm focusing on doing the right things. And that will lead me to success, essentially.
1: That's really good. Um, and tying into that, talking about the whole exercise thing, um, something that kept coming back over and over again is how important exercise is, um, for lots of reasons, you know, the endorphins muscle burns, fat, healthy lifestyle strength, just the ability to do like when you're strong, you can do shit, you know, instead of being weak and not experiencing mm-hmm. life and just the general health reasons of it too. And the key was that they everybody was saying mm-hmm. and I agree is choose something that you like doing like do something you love that you can do forever and make sure it doesn't feel like punishment. Like um you know I really like to lift and I hate running but I still run and I'm in a running group but I like the socialness with it, you know. Um and I run also because I can. <laughs> And before I couldn't, Yeah. Um, so stuff like that. Um, And it's also something to do with your time instead of sit around and eat and be bored and watch TV or whatever, you know, it's, it keeps you busy and that's important. And often too, like um, with exercise, it kind of offsets some food choices. It's like, oh shit, I'd have to burn 400 calories to eat this chocolate bar. So I'm not going to eat it because I don't want to do that much work. <laughs> that's how my mind thinks. <laughs>
0: Yeah. But uh, so one, um, so, uh, but to that point as well, like you don't want to punish yourself like for food, but at the same time, like, you know, the more work you can do essentially like having fun with it, the more you essentially get to eat in maintenance. Right. Um, because I mean, you're, you're essentially right. If you go out and run five miles and burn off those calories, you know, you have to eat to sustain that. And so, I mean, it works both ways. And, you know, you're talking about finding something that doesn't feel like punishment. You can, there are so many things that are just active that you, that people would enjoy enjoy doing. Like there's like 80 year old guys that I see on the golf course every week. And they're like walking, pushing their golf uh, clubs and they're walking 18 holes. And, you know, they're probably walking four or five miles out there, but they're playing golf and they're enjoying it and they're loving it. And they're like 80 years old. And so there's just like so many different avenues that you can do that will um, keep you doing more and uh, keep you active. And so another thing you brought up there was like strength. And one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Mark Bell's Power Project. And the motto of that show is like, um, um, strength is never a weakness and weakness is never a strength, essentially. And that I don't think that could be more true, right? Like being physically strong um is is a very powerful thing for a lot of different reasons.
1: Yeah, and for not just for men either. It feels good to be able yeah. to push up heavy weights and stuff. It's like, oh, I can do that. I remember um a year ago, people would make fun of me because I couldn't do a push-up. <laughs> so I would get tagged in push-up challenges constantly. And uh and I do them, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna show these people that laugh at me, and damn, I'm pretty good at them. Now. There you so, go. You know, it's good to be strong, and it's good to accept weaknesses as a challenge that you want to overcome sometime too. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. It's very empowering.
0: All right, so I guess moving to the next one, we already t- we talked a little about a bit about an active lifestyle. Um, so uh, the next like tip that I had was just surround yourself with a good community full of supportive people and i know that's something that you've done a lot and um i was on a podcast yesterday with uh ben uh they call him primal bro he was on my show and i did mm-hmm. his yesterday and that's one thing that you know when i was talking to him i kind of realized it's like i didn't necessarily do that in the same way that a lot of people have like i feel like uh you and a lot of the people i've interviewed on the show or just have been like really um, immersed in like the Instagram weight loss community, your running groups and all that kind of stuff. And I'm very fortunate to to have Brittany and my friends who are all kind of into fitness. And I was the, I was like the one fat guy in the group. And so, <laughs> you know, they were just kind of all around me. And I had that like in person face to face, like a lot of support where I, You know, and I never really turned to that until I started this podcast And like, so now I'm very fortunate that like, I've met all of you guys and um, have that like other form of support, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Even in the bariatric clinic where um, I had my surgery, they make sure you have support. You have to have somebody before they'll approve you for, for surgery, because it is so integral to success. You need people to have your back. Um, some people only have social media. They feel you know isolated from friends and family who don't accept what they're doing because it changes how they think about themselves and they get some rejection and a lot of people gravitate towards social media. But not everybody has to, and it's not a requirement that it ha- your support comes from social media, but it you should have support from somewhere. It just makes it a lot easier. But yeah, it's definitely been a huge, huge deal for me.
0: Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, so one way that it has helped me like m- meeting a lot of people on Instagram and in like the weight loss community is that, you know, everyone has been very, very supportive of like what I've done, but nobody really like nobody that I deal with in person, like truly knows the struggle of losing the amount of weight that I have. Like, you know, not, everybody's probably lost 20, 30 pounds here or there, but you know, nobody knows like the mental stress that goes along with like extra skin and like the the mental stress of like it being truly something that I have to deal with like for life just because of the sheer like amount of appetite that I have and like things like that. So it has been good um, finding a, I guess, like tribe of people who have been through the shared experiences that I, the same experiences that I have.
1: Absolutely. And that's why it resonates so well with me. Like you put an idea out there, a crazy thought. And it's like, oh yeah, I felt that too. Or, you know, and people who haven't walked in your shoes in a similar way, they just don't get it, not to the same level. And sometimes we need someone at that level too. So, um, so talking, speaking of that too, um, you were talking about, um, So another point that came up was like being honest with yourself about certain things and seeking professional help if you need it, Um, whether that be doctor, dietitian, psychologist, anything like we need to fix our heads first and get help for the emotional eating disorders and things like that. We got to do the emotional work often, and that makes lasting change Um, and understanding, too, that lasting change isn't immediate either. You know, it takes it takes work when you're losing and when you're maintaining, sometimes, especially when you're maintaining, because things get harder.
0: Yeah. Before doing this podcast, honestly, it's something that I never even like really crossed my mind, but one of my early guests, um, Kylie, she was like very open about, you know, she had been, uh, she had like been to a counselor and talked to them about, about like the things that she was dealing with. And, you know, I do think that, that is a really good idea because like, you know, the all the people I've talked to, almost all of them, you know, the thing that they struggle with is the mental game. It's not the black and white, like eat less calories than you, than you burn and all this kind of stuff. It's like the mental struggle. So seeing someone even um, like it doesn't have to be a counselor. It could be a di- dietitian or a nutritionist or any of these different kind of people that are professionals that are trained to give you help you build these habits and coping mechanisms and things like that is definitely a um, good place to start if you need that.
1: Yep. And I'm no exception to that either. I did see a bariatric psychologist. I actually saw a psychologist that opened his own practice. He used to be the psychologist out of the bariatric clinic that I went to. And I was having challenges about six months out and um, not understanding some feelings I was having and things from my past were resurfacing and, and bothering me. And, you know, the whole body dysmorphia and everything. And someone like that kind of understands. Like if it's someone who's specialized in eating disorders or obesity and mine happened to actually be a bariatric psychologist, like they understand and they, sometimes you feel like you're crazy for feeling things the way you do. Like I remember feeling I was happier when I was obese and dying than I was at that certain point of time in my life after I lost the weight. Like you think losing all the weight is going to solve your problems and sometimes it doesn't. And it was good to have someone to talk to is like yeah i understand that like or someone just to listening and help you organize your thoughts
0: yeah cuz it it's um it is a grind to to lose the amount of weight that um that either you were or I or, or a lot of people have lost like it's it's a long process and you like so for example it took me 19 months to lose 100 pounds In that 19 months, there was a lot of times where, like, I was just kind of done with it. I was just kind of over it. Like, you know, like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, you need someone there to kind of talk through that with and to understand what you're going to and, like, be a sounding board and all those different types of things.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um The other uh, solution that came out of the community was um, reminding yourself, like when you're finding a maintenance and you're struggling, remind yourself of the whys again. Like, you know, you did this for your health, you did this, you want to be around for your kids, you know, all the reasons that you started to begin with, it helps to remind yourself every now and then, you know, people often feel you know like they're failing when they're regaining a little bit but you know you have your health back you have your life back like I'm thankful every day because I felt like I wasn't living before and sometimes you forget what that was like and it helps to sort of take a minute and it's like oh yeah I couldn't do a lot of things before and I felt really isolated and I'm not like that anymore. And you know I gained those 21 pounds but I'm not back to square one. And I think we need to remind ourselves of that from time to time.
0: Yeah. And you know, there is like a mental shift that uh, happened to me and I think happens to a lot of people. So like I did start this journey out for that reason of health. Right. And I still do it for my health, but at the same time, like I have those, I guess you say like habits in place where, I mean, pretty much everything I eat and do for the most part is like pretty healthy. So like Mentally, I'm kind of past that a little bit. And so like now I've set up other things, like other reasons why, like performance. There's things I want to achieve. Like I wanna be like, you know, like I wanna be good at jujitsu. I want to be good at lifting weights. I want to be a good husband. I want to have energy, like things like that. That um I guess what I'm trying to get at here is like my why has essentially grown over the years. Like it has evolved with my diet and my exercise and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yep, makes total
0: total sense. Keeping it fresh. (laughs) So uh, one of the ones that I had was basically to uh, track your progress regularly, like whether so that whether that's weight or inches or how your clothes fit or your confidence level or, you know, whatever metric you choose to use and don't get too hung up on. Because, you know, again, one thing I've talked about a lot on the show is just that like, a uh, yearly cycle where people don't pay attention to their diet and their nutrition and their weight and all this kind of stuff. And then after at the end of the year, you're five or 10 pounds bigger. And then at the end of the next year, you're another five or 10 pounds bigger. And then after three or four years, you've lost, or you've gained a hundred pounds simply because you haven't paid attention. You haven't made that yourself a priority. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, once they hit that goal weight, they just want to stop tracking or i don't say tracking stop looking at their progress and those like metrics they looked at while losing if you keep lo- if you keep looking at those things specifically like how your clothes fit in inches like i've definitely um uh, through lifting during maintenance periods uh you know reduce the size of my waist or how big my arms are or things like that through lifting while on maintenance you know like body recomposition and so that can be another target or goal that you try to do.
1: Yep. And it's all reminding yourselves, you know, there's no finish line. You've got to keep keep working. Like maintenance isn't necessarily end of your journey. It's just beginning of your forever journey.
0: Yep. Exactly. Yep.
1: Um I'm kind of dwindling down on what my points are now. Like we're kind of covered most of them. Um some little things here and there is uh you know some Regain as normal, like 10 to 15%. We already discussed that too. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowing when to stop and physical limits, like your fullness, like, is it head hunger? Is it actually physical hunger? Um, You know, is your stomach rumbling? Uh, Has it been 15 minutes and you're still thinking of food? Like, learn your body cues, whether you want to continue to eat. Again, this ties back into food, which most things do. Um,
0: yeah. I get that like boredom, hunger a lot, like, especially at work. And I this is how I know that it's boredom is like at work, I literally cannot wait for my next meal, you know, cause I eat like five times a day. So I can't wait for my next meal. When I'm at home and I'm doing stuff on like Saturdays and Sundays, I don't even notice like a, it'll be like an hour past my next meal. And it's because I'm occupying my time doing things I enjoy. And so, You know, if I can do that on the weekends, there's no reason I can't do that on the weekdays. And so, you know, I try to do things like, um, well, I'll drink a bottle of water and then I will go, you know, walk on the job site for 20, 30 minutes. If I'm still hungry when I'm done, I'll I'll eat my food. But if not, then I don't. So there's ways around it.
1: Yeah. Distraction methods, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And really the last point I got, it has to do with surgery a little bit, but people were saying they wish there was more post-op care and attention. And um, because, you know, they kind of want you in and out of the door in bariatric clinics. And then when you really hit all the issues, it's when you're kind of released and the whole maintenance thing. And a lot of people fail at that point um, and feel like they failed their surgery and really having more support than is is really crucial, but it's not really there. It's not um, funded. It's not, there's nothing really available. And even though with that said, you still have to self-advocate and you have to find that help if you need it and recognize that you need it too. So just because it's not available doesn't mean you're off the hook from trying to find a solution either. So
0: Yeah. And And, I think that goes both ways. Um, you know, surgery, not surgery. Like nobody, you know, nobody starts off like I'm going to lose a hundred pounds. Like what's my plan for maintenance? You know, like that's something you, uh, most people kind of like stumble upon it. Like, Oh, I've lost a hundred pounds. What do I do now? Like there's not a lot of pre-planning for it and not a lot of people talk about it. And that's one reason, that I really wanted to do the podcast, like about this topic is because you and I had talked about struggling with maintenance and it's like yep. there, you know, I, I, there doesn't seem to be like a lot of information broadcasts out there because maintenance isn't what sells, you know, it's not what makes dollars for companies. No. So there's a lot of um, trainers out there, so-called trainers on Instagram that are trying to sell you workout plans and all stuff to help you lose weight. But there's not a lot of people out there to help you maintain it and so you know that's why i thought this was important but i did have one more tip and it's something that i talk about a lot is basically just in maintenance continue to commit yourself to um strength training increased muscle mass you know increases uh your your daily need for calories so continue to put on some muscle. I promise you're not going to look bulky. It takes so, so much time, energy, and effort to even look like you lift. So just um, keep working out, keep uh, eating and feeding those muscles and building them and you'll have more room in your diet to eat.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, my list is pretty much gone through. There was one other thing um, for maintenance and Again, you know, you can, there's prescription drugs out there that can help with stuff too. It's not always the best solution or first solution, but it's there. And it's, it's um, a possibility too, if you're really struggling. And there's this one that my clinic recommends to some patients. And it basically replicates a hormone in in your body that regulates hunger. So it'll quiet down your hunger cues. And, you know, that's an option for some people. It's maybe not always the first one, but again, you know, there's other strategies too that you can look at and explore everything and see what works for you.
0: Yeah. There's so much out there. Like if you're to that point, like you're obviously working with a physician, you know, and like they've probably tried lots of other, you know, strategies before you go on a medicine. I mean, I know that's something like I never want to do, but if you're in that situation, you're probably in a, you know, a, a pretty A situation where it's drastic where it's needed and if you even if I got into that situation then I would probably do it too if that's what you know my physician says so um there's lots of different routes for this like this is not a comprehensive list we just you know the things that we thought could help us and help you guys we put them together here we are yep all right so unless you have anything else I think we'll wrap it up
1: I'm good I went through everything it was really informative, I think. And there was definitely stuff that I learned in polling everybody and getting responses. So it kind of rejuvenated me a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it did me too. Like I'm actually um, very excited. I got like six more weeks and then I'm going, I'm going to a maintenance period and I'm definitely going to try to uh, instill some of these things and just like pay more attention and, and try to, you know, like really Nourish my body and spend time like taking care of it during maintenance. I mean, I guess you know that kind of brings up like another thing that I didn't talk about, but when you are dieting and your calories are reduced and you're working out really hard and all that kind of stuff, like it's easy to feel kind of run down and beat up and have some aches and pains and all that kind of stuff just because, like you know, your body's probably not recovering optimally whenever you're shorting it calories, you're shorting it energy. So whenever you're in a maintenance period, you're eating more, you feel better, you, um, you know, you have more energy. It's definitely time to like, you know, nourish your body with good, healthy foods and, you know, do your, do your, um, all your recovery stuff and like really give your body some time to, to repair itself because you've kind of beaten it down over that over that uh, restriction.
1: Yeah. And that's all about being good to yourself too, right? Like you can't be on a hundred percent of the time. Like you have to learn when to pull back a little bit and self-care and and things like that. It's, it's all about balance, right? You want to still go for your goals, but you don't want to sacrifice everything either.
0: Sometimes you got to treat yourself
1: that's right (laughs) like i'm getting into the cheesecake that i made yesterday
0: (laughs) exactly exactly that sounds delicious now oh my god please stop talking about cheesecake i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) you're making me hungry over here all right well i am hungry i'm hungry for success always hungry never satisfied thank you again to denise for her third appearance on the hungry for success podcast
1: you're
0: welcome i'm gonna have to start charging or something yeah i think so i think so all right guys so that's a wrap we will see you uh next week for a new guest on the hungry for success podcast but do not forget about the hungry for success community on facebook we're still uh trying to get some members in there get that going come in check in with us tell us all the struggles you're having all the successes you're having we would love to hear about them and Uh, there's some people in there who are very knowledgeable. Denise is in there. She can drop some knowledge if you need it. So
1: I I like how you said there's some people that are knowledgeable and then Denise is in there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Feel free to hit us up on social media. If you need any advice or anything, we're happy to help. So stay hungry. We'll see you next week.